Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's time for the playoffs. It's time to decide who's going to Vegas. Will it be Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, or Buffalo coming out of the AFC? Is it going to be San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit even coming out of the NFC? Pick your two conference champions, parlay it, and remember, get your 50% welcome bonus on that first parlay using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you use the link in the description to this episode at BetOnline Sportsbook. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up here on the Take It Easy podcast. Wired Up originally, years and years ago, stood for Week in Review plus Extra Discussion, W-I-R-E-D. Wired Up has now kind of become the, when we break off our regular podcasting schedule, whenever we record, Wired Up is what we call it. Super glad that you're here for the 156th episode of Wired Up, which is going to be playoff post-game show number seven? Seventh playoff game in the books? Halfway through the NFL playoffs? That's what we got here today. The Baltimore Ravens. Beat down the Houston Texans. Stand up, big trust. Lamar Jackson going to make it to his first AFC championship game. Avenging the loss of 2019, which I think still goes down as the most shocking upset of my lifetime in the NFL playoffs. When you talk about that six-seed Titans team beating the greatest regular season football team I've ever seen back in 2019. Avenge your loss. Get back to the number one seed four years later. And now Baltimore is in the A. FC championship game shout out to big trust shout out to the Baltimore Ravens they beat the Texans and the Texans Ravens game had so many interesting elements to it beyond the final score because the final score is pretty straightforward I can give you two key explanations for why the final score was what it was there's there's two key stats I could bring up right here and we'll dissect some of the other stuff as we go along but right off the top there's two key stats to bring up Number one, the Baltimore Ravens, with the number one rushing offense in the NFL, were going up against the Houston Texans defense, which I didn't realize until Troy Aikman brought it up on the broadcast, the number two rushing defense in the entire NFL. And the Baltimore Ravens rushing offense ended up putting together 168 yards on 27 carries through the first, call it three and change quarters of the game. I kind of cut it off once I kind of recognized it was getting to garbage time, which by the standard I'm at right now is 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's when I'm cutting off the stats for the sake of garbage time. The Ravens were up to 6.3 yards per carry against the Houston 
Texans defense. As a counterpoint to that, the Houston Texans offense had fewer passing yards through three quarters and three minutes, the first 48 minutes of the game, through the first 48 minutes of the game when it became clear that there was no way the Texans were going to come back. They had fewer passing yards of offense than the Baltimore Ravens had rushing yards. Those two points right there are exactly why the Baltimore Ravens won the game on offense. And the flip side for why the final score was as dramatic as it was is... On the Houston Texans' offensive side of the ball, the Houston Texans did not run a single play, a single play in the entire game in the Baltimore Ravens' red zone. Inside the Ravens' 20-yard line, the Texans did not run a single play the entire first 48, and, you know, goes the Ravens had the ball and they went down and put put themselves up three scores. The Texans in their first nine drives of the game, did not run a single play inside the Baltimore Raven 20-yard line. They had a three-and-out punt, a punt on their second drive of the game, field goal drive where the closest they got was to the 27-yard line before a a false start penalty pushed them back to the 32, three-and-out on the fourth drive, returned the Raven punt for a touchdown, Fairbairn missed the field goal right before half, which I think if that field goal goes in and they take a three-point lead into halftime, it at least feels a little bit closer because the Ravens came out in their first drive of the second half and just marched down the field on the Texans. It wasn't even like, a oh, we're going to control time of possession and all that stuff. Nah, they returned the kickoff to the 45. Six plays later, they were in the end zone. Took less than three minutes. We're just going to stomp out your no-name defense that had been Better than anticipated, but still a no-name defense. But Kaimi Fairburn missed that field goal. The closest they got was the Baltimore 29-yard line, which is ultimately where they kicked the field goal from. Then they go punt on their first drive of the half. Then they go three and out on their second drive of the half. And by that point, the Ravens have already scored on their first three drives of the second half, and the game is essentially over because you're down by three scores. It was tied at halftime. They... Punted on their first, or the Ravens scored a touchdown, the Texans punted, the Ravens scored a touchdown, the Texans punted three and out, Ravens went down and scored, game over, there you go, right there. That's the explanation for why the final score was the way it was. Not only did the Ravens have more rushing yards of offense through three quarters than the Texans had in the entire game in terms of passing yards... Not only did the Ravens have more rushing yards than the Texans had passing yards, the Texans did not run a single play in the entire game inside the Baltimore Raven 20-yard line. And Houston had the formula for pulling off an upset early in the game, and that is a punt return for touchdown, a fluke play that swings the game by 7-plus points. This was the formula for how Baltimore lost both of their first well, I guess not both of their first two because they the Lamar went to the playoffs in 2018 as a rookie. But the 2019 playoff loss against the Titans and the 2020 playoff loss against Buffalo, both games that Baltimore was irrefutably the better team going into that game. I mean, Baltimore had to go play at Buffalo, and I think Buffalo was still a two-and-a-half-point favorite. But if you swing the, the point spread of that 2020 game by three points based on home field advantage— Vegas was telling you Baltimore and, and Buffalo were essentially push, and maybe Baltimore was a slightly more talented team going into that game. But in the playoff games where Baltimore lost, 
It was because of fluke plays that swung the game by 14 points. In the Titan game, Lamar Jackson threw an interception that went through the hands, or sorry, against the Titans, Mark Andrews had a ball go through his hands that got intercepted by Kevin Byard and led to a touchdown for the Tennessee Titans. It went from the Ravens were going to go up 7-0 potentially to being down 7-0 early in the game. In the Buffalo-Baltimore game, it was 10-10 in the third quarter. The Ravens had run an eight-minute drive down the field to take a lead, and Lamar Jackson threw a pick six that went back 100 yards by Teron Johnson. And at that point, they just did not have the gas to move against that Buffalo defense. The best drive they had mustered all game that would have put them up seven against Buffalo in that 2020 playoff game, they threw a pick six that swung the game from the Ravens are going to score seven to to, um, to Buffalo is going to score seven. And in this game, they went from we're going to go in and score to penalties and sack, move them out of field goal range. They punt to the Texans. Texans improve field positioning, punt back to Baltimore. Baltimore punts back to Houston. I'm sorry. Uh, Houston punts to Baltimore. Baltimore goes three and out. Sorry, I was I was mixing a couple drives in there. Houston gets the ball back, punts to Baltimore. Baltimore goes three and out, punts back to Houston. Houston takes the kickoff, all or the punt all the way back for a touchdown. The first time all season... Baltimore had allowed a special teams touchdown. That's the fluky result you need to swing the fortunes of a game. In a game where their offense is not moving the ball down the field, the number one defense in the NFL had two weeks of rest and was playing like the number one defense in the NFL because Marlon Humphrey was shadowing Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz was getting a few receptions here and there, but it wasn't enough to counter what Baltimore was doing on offense crushing the 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 run defense of the Ravens or crushing the run defense of the Texans which is supposed to be the Texans specialty they go through all of that nothing comes of it and they still have a kick to take the three-point lead at the end of the half and maybe if that kick goes in it changes the momentum a little bit but momentum wasn't going to save the Texans in that second half the second half was the Baltimore Ravens best half of football that they have played in the Lamar Jackson era in the postseason, without pause, the best half of football they have played in the six years of Lamar Jackson's career in the playoffs, without pause, three scoring drives, forced two punts on the Texans, by that point there were only four minutes left in the game, so not only were they scoring, they were just dominating the time of possession, and Lamar Jackson had two Rushing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns against the Texans. It was 31-10 to 10 with six minutes to go in the game. And they had absolutely smoked the Texans out the building, smoked them out the building. Despite the fact the Texans had the first special teams touchdown of the season against Baltimore, didn't end up making a difference. Baltimore in that second half was going to crush the Texans start to finish. But it looked like in the first half... Despite the fact that Texans had not ran a play in the, in, the, in the Baltimore red zone, despite the fact that the Ravens were torching Texans' rushing defense, which is suited as their strong suit on defense, according to the, Trey Aikman brought it up on the broadcast, I hadn't even realized just how good the Texans' rush defense was. You had the Texans with a kick to take the lead going into halftime, despite the fact that they had been dominated from start to finish, and it was looking up and being like, this is why I said the Baltimore Ravens might be the most infuriating team to root for 
all season because you know your team is great, might be the best in the NFL, and simultaneously you know your team is not great enough to compete. It's so cyclical, and it was the stereotypical Raven first half where they're dominating an inferior opponent, they're putting together an incredible defensive performance, and it's going to be a special team's mistake, and it's going to be kicking field goals instead of touchdowns, that are going to swing the game back into favor of the opponent and keep them around. But this one, even if the Ravens don't play as dominant of a second half as they had against the Texans, because the Texans, it, it was a it was as dominant of a football game as you could possibly have in the second half. It was the Ravens got the ball three times and ran three touchdown drives greater than they ran three touchdown drives greater than seventy. Or sorry, no, they ran a 55-yard touchdown drive, a 93-yard touchdown drive, and a 78-yard touchdown drive in their three possessions of the half. Meanwhile, the Texans punted and punted again. Like, the only way it could have been more dominant is if the Texans go three and out on their first possession. But I'd argue that the Texans just stalling in the middle of the field might have been to the beneficiary of the Ravens because it killed five and a half minutes off the clock. And once the Ravens ran their seven-minute touchdown drive that bled into the fourth quarter, it was an absolute route, route by the Baltimore Ravens. From that point onward there was no I said with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter once the once the Texans went three and out had to punt back to Baltimore before the third touchdown drive that's when it was over that's when garbage time could have officially began and by the way after you factor in the stats from that touchdown drive the Ravens and their 6.3 yards per attempt rushing the football ended up putting together 221 rushing yards in the game more total yards of offense than the entire Houston Texan team had in their first nine drives of the game. Absolutely dominating second-half performance by the Ravens, and it is going to get them to the AFC Championship game for the first time in the Lamar Jackson era. And even if Patrick Mahomes loses, or I'm sorry, even if Patrick Mahomes wins on Sunday, it would be awesome to see the Ravens go to the Super Bowl, man. They goddamn deserve it because... And we did a whole podcast back in December talking about why the Ravens deserve to be rewarded for the efforts that they've made here. I'm trying to find the episode so I can link it in the description for you. Yeah, it was Wired Up episode 151 from December 9th, how the Baltimore Ravens got back to being Super Bowl contenders. And the reason the Ravens deserve to be rewarded was on full display here in this game. The Baltimore Ravens ended up having two seasons in which they missed the playoffs. And during those two seasons, when Lamar Jackson was hurt at the end of the season, uh, I guess they did technically make the playoffs last year, but they lost to Tyler Hunt. Uh, Tyler Huntley lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at the end, which, by the way, was them losing on another 99-yard strip six was the reason they weren't still in that game at the end. But... When the Ravens spent their two years down after the two-season run with Lamar at the top of the AFC in 2019 and 2020, what they did to pivot off that team was they had the worst receiving room in the NFL, and they brought in five completely new receivers into the room. Invested some draft capital in it, obviously, but they just complete. They looked up and said, we just got to get new faces in the door, and they drafted... Bateman in the first round, 
They drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. They drafted Tylen Wallace, or he might have been undrafted signed, but they brought in Tylen Wallace. They brought in Nelson Aguilar, and now they had five completely new receivers. What they also did was they invested significant draft capital in bringing in three all-pro defensive players. And those three all-pro defensive players, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, two of whom were first-round picks, one of whom they traded Roquan Smith. I think they traded a, a, a high second-round pick for Roquan Smith. The, Bear, the, the Bears traded Roquan to the Ravens, and those three players, along with Owe and along with some of the players on the defensive interior, paired with Marlon Humphrey, who was already one of the best defensive linemen. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Marlon Humphrey, one of the best corners, if not the best slot corner in all of the NFL, who they brought back from the first regime. Those guys, uh, Matabuke was the other one I was thinking of. Those players absolutely showed up and showed out. They also got some strategic pickups with Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, and they retooled the team, and you looked up, and all of a sudden they had the number one defense in the NFL built around a quarterback who was making $40 million a year. Think of how unique that is. A quarterback making $40 million a year had the number one defense in the NFL, it was incredibly good to see Baltimore rewarded with a dominating performance on offense and defense. And in addition to that, they had the foresight to bring in two brand new coordinators, both from the college game in Mike McDonald from the University of Michigan came over. He was defensive coordinator last year and this year. And then this year bringing in Todd Munkin over Greg Roman. They transformed their team with strategically good moves all across the board. Ten really shrewd, really excellent moves to support a star quarterback who is looking like he's going to win his second MVP of the league. And to support an MVP caliber quarterback, at times the second best in the NFL, to support him in a way that they did not the, pa- the previous few years when they were dealing with a catastrophic number of injuries, including injuries to Lamar Jackson himself, for them to pivot with five brand new receivers. Again, not all of them stars, but just five new faces in the door. Three all-pro players on defense. Multiple edge rushers that were undervalued in other places being brought in. And to add in the extra factor of the Baltimore Ravens getting two completely new coordinators, an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator from the college ranks, and changing and evolving what they were doing on both sides of the ball in addition to the new pieces that they brought in around Lamar Jackson. It is a chef's kiss, excellent job for how to rebuild and retool around a star quarterback who is no longer on the rookie contract. And it's so good, so good to see the the Raven team four years later get back to the number one seed when Lamar Jackson wins his second MVP and redeem the 2019 team, redeem the 2019 team with shrewd decision making. Yes, they were down for a couple of years, but they had to make and injuries knocked out a whole bunch of their run. But the, the foundational pieces of Lamar Jackson and Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley coming and Mark Andrews, even though Mark Andrews was out for a good portion of the season, those key pieces coming back and those key pieces being rewarded by avenging their loss in 2019 with three new all-pro defensive players, with five new receivers, with a new offensive coordinator, with a new defensive coordinator, a masterclass for how to rebuild an NFL team around a star quarterback. They have done it, and now they're going to be rewarded by a trip to the AFC Championship game for the first time in the Lamar Jackson era. It took six years, weirdly enough, but they have made it to the AFC Championship game 
after four years of disappointment and knocking on the doorstep and needing a couple more shrewd moves. They are the hunter, and they will be hosting an AFC Championship game against either Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, that whoever they play, they will be favored. And they pose the best chance to beat. They have been the best AFC team of the of the Mahomes era. The, the team with the best chance of knocking out Patrick Mahomes they will have the largest point spread of any team playing against Mahomes in a playoff game of the last six years. They will be the best AFC team in any single season since Mahomes got into the league. And they are going to be rewarded with a host of an AFC, hosting the AFC championship game against either Mahomes or Josh Allen, a game that they should fully expect that they will win. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Our Wired Up episode 156 will be out as soon as you can, as you might be listening to this. But if you are stopping in for another episode, we're going to have post-game show from the Packers and 49ers. We're going to have post-game show from Lions and Bucks. Our NFL Monday podcast will be out in the not-so-distant future, so stay tuned for all sorts of great stuff. If you're listening to this on Saturday night or Sunday morning, check out our pregame show our preview of wildcard weekend that we did with our friend Razor Rosenthal on Friday. It's a great episode. Recommend that you check that out. If you want some insight on the gambling side of things, Razor's got that down for you. We are going to have a fantastic time all weekend with all of these football games. So stay tuned. Thank you for your continued support. We'll chat with you again later on this weekend. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.